This is how it's going to start. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. Is this it? This is Jason Stevenson, also oh, known as uh, Mick Ruck, also known as Bill. I was gonna say, well, I was gonna say a name that's someone's name, but Bill Pullman. I decided not to. It's someone's name already, and it wasn't that good of a name. This You're is right. it, live to tape, also known as the Executive Buffet. Wow. Best known as Daddy's Big Red Truck. It's a huge red truck. So wide. Wider than it is long. Is that You'd pop- think, how can a truck turn like that? It can't. We figured out a way. We use special math. Okay. We use special math to engineer a truck that is wider than it is long. It's still pretty long. So again, this is a wide truck. It's not an oversized load. I'm talking about wheels at the corners wide truck. We're out on the farm here. It's fall. Even though it's technically spring, it's fall on the farm all the time. And it's a kind of a bumpy open field, and you're hopping in Daddy's Big Red Truck, and we're just ripping it straight up, going down to the executive buffet. Executives only. Thanks for being here on Live to Tap, also known as Live to Tape, with me, Kevin Tipcorn, Jason Pepperhouse, Michael Bust. That's a good one, Michael Bust. My last name is Mike. My first name is Mike. My last name is Bust. You can also call me uh, Jason, Kevin, Michael, Stephen, Tom. Hi, I'm Tom and my, Thomas Michael Jason Steven. You can call Michael David, uh, Dave Mike Jeff, also known as David Michael Jeffrey, here on Live the Tap, the podcast of the name I just said. Thanks for being here. We have an amazing guest today. Listen to a cool sound. This is uh, Carlton in the Shoes, Forward Jerusalem, underneath us. We'll, we'll talk more about this later on in the podcast when we get deep into the meat, when we start to carve carve the beef carve the beef up a bit uh please rate review and subscribe to the podcast if you would if you do that's good for everyone we appreciate it if you got to email me something like an instrumental track or anything like that live to tape podcast at gmail.com that's live to tape podcast at gmail.com also check me out on twitch i'm there just about once a week if not more it's twitch.tv slash johnny pemberton that's twitch dot tv slash johnny pemberton it's free to watch it's free to create an account hang out and play with us it's cool what else um 
Check out my uh, dates. I'm going to be doing a bunch of shows at Duncan Trussell the next couple months. Um, even this next couple days here, I'll be in I'll be in Portland, Oregon with him at Helium Comedy. I also have my solo show coming up here on April 22nd at the Elysian Theater here in good old Los Angeles. Come find it. Come check it out. It's a really fun, interesting, unique show. It's one of the... As far as things I've done, it's uh, it's up there. It's some, maybe maybe writing on top of what's up there. They'll do those things and remember me. Don't forget that on my live shows. Also, thank everybody who came out to the to the micro tour, the four stop micro busting explosion. What a time that was! Wow, I uh, remembered so many things I forgot, and I forgot so many things I remembered on that wonderful tour thank you all of you who talked to me afterwards it was great to meet some of you in person i know of you from from being longtime fans on either twitter or instagram or um uh, twitch twitch is the i I met a bunch of you from the twitch community that's great i really appreciate it it's so nice to be performing to people who are down with everything who are members of the executive buffet i can't even tell you it's it's a it's such an absolute, total, pure joy. Unbelievable. Amazing. So thank you for that. There'll be more. I'm trying to do a bigger, maybe three times the size tour sometime in the summer here. I'm also trying to get this album recording date on the books, so you can all show up for that. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, that's about it. Oh, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com. Slash live to tape. Patreon.com slash live to tape. Okay. My guest today is a wonderful, oh my God, I love this guy so much. We got a chance to work together on a TV show. We've remained, we remained friends. He's a brilliant musical mind, brilliant uh, directorial and acting mind. I, we just have, a, we had the best time talking. You know him from all over the place. Huge movies the and wonderful TV shows. Huge and movies. incredible. That's right, you know all about boom stands oh, and stuff and yeah, mics. You're like really familiar with like uh, equipment and stuff. Like yeah, I became a little bit of a gearhead. Did that you really? T- yeah, I mean, yes and no. I it was it, like I started re- wanting to record my own music in like the late night, early 2000s, and so it was like save up your money and get a G3 and what's a G3? The, the, like the, the first like powerful mac that you oh could've. right okay that's old man yeah, yeah that's I mean, like the big the big clear one right uh it's like kind of bluish was, clear no that was no? like a imac oh i thought there was like the tower it's a tower right? it was a tower okay yeah. oh yeah the, the fancy ones had yeah okay but it had enough processing power that you could do like you know yeah you could 20 you could, tracks you could and track. i got lo- like logic before apple owned it when like the i remember that the um First book they sent me, the first uh, manual, was in German. Right. Really? Yeah. It's a German company. <laughs> it was full in German? Fully in German. So it was just about figuring it out yourself. So yeah, I've become, a, it's taken me 20 years to figure out how to, Damn. You know, without ever taking a lesson. So 20 nice. years, you know, way more than 10,000 hours. But you started as a musician, right? That's mm. what it was your thing growing up doing? I always did it. Yeah. And like joined, the year I started acting in a, in a theater company, I was the, same summer I started a band. Right, you have a cool look right now with Do the I? glove. The, oh, it's a, I had surgery. You got the t-shirt. Damn, man! It's not a Michael Jackson thing. Yeah, but it has a cool look. Yeah. Do you have carpal tunnel? 
No, I have something that's called trigger finger, which is Ooh. not nearly as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> it doesn't sound, it sounds cool. It's not finger? from shooting anything. Yeah. And it's it, in my pinky. Yeah. It's okay. The uh, tendon gets caught on the bone. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. Yeah, it's great. And they go in and they just cut it open. It's from that. Yeah. Is it from that? It's from playing? No. I wish. It's not? This, I have, uh, this wrist is fucked up from playing. Is it really? Yeah. You think it would be the opposite. You do it enough of it, it keeps it loose, but it doesn't, huh? It I makes think it that bad. It, I think if you uh, are well trained and right. conscientious, that's probably true. But oh, because you do all your you, all your exercises. I think if you just, shit. I think if you just, if you just teach yourself how to do yeah. it all, I think. And also, I'm a when I played piano, I played grew up playing piano, and I okay. just was a banger. What does that mean? Just oh, really? I mean, I would break keyboards are when we were serious? on tour all the time. I got to carry Damn, the man. ones that had um, actual hammers in them, like the plastic hammers. Yeah. I, I had to buy extras and wow. fix them on stage. So my fingers are all... That's actually really cool. I've never even heard that was a thing. Well, I didn't know that. It just means I'm not subtle. Yeah, but it's... Uh, I didn't think... That's, that's fucking a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure, Paul. Yeah. Pressure, Paul Edelstein. Pressure, pressure, Paul. Well pronounced. See, you know what? I've been dreading that moment. You did it great. I've been dreading the moment because I knew I got it wrong the first time we did a podcast. And I was like, God! And now I made sure of it. I don't remember you getting it wrong. I had a whole paranoid fantasy the other day that I I would have had a different uh, kind of career if I had changed my name. Oh, you think so? Which somebody, two different agents suggested when I was like 20. That's so funny. And I said, I'll change it to Rabbi Henry Sharpstein. (laughs) What did did they suggest you change it to? They didn't, but I think I... I, 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 I'm not saying I wish I had. I just yeah. I wonder because there's so many. I think you'd be surprised. Even still, people that are my age. How many Edelsteins there are? That, that, well, how many people that whose last names were like Lipschitz that you don't know? Oh, I think that's probably almost everywhere. Yeah, like it's in Hollywood. It's like probably anymore. You, you still think? Is that the word? You still think? I think definitely. Yeah. Well, I guess Jonah Hill, right? I mean, his Jonah Hill. I think uh, probably a lot of people because not. Not because they... I'm thinking of younger people that would have done it, yeah. But because it just sounds... If you have a cool name... That's right. It's not even like about inherent uh, Jewishness, right? It's more just about like, oh, I want to sound cool. Yeah, Winona Horowitz doesn't quite roll off Is that her real name? Yeah. I didn't know that. As somebody said, you think Winona Horowitz would have gotten cast no. in uh, Age of Innocence? Dude. Oh, my <laughs> it doesn't, God. It doesn't make See, it, you're right. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's yeah. the part where you go, hmm. Do you know, I also have another theory about the whole naming thing. This is kind of a new thing, is that when you change your name, it gives you license to be somebody else. That's the other thing I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a kind of... I mean, I think it probably comes with imposter syndrome, but everything does. So yeah. I think there's a kind of confidence that you get where, like, well, that's me being. Yeah, you're not. You're not yourself. You're. You're everything you have. You have access to everything that's yourself, but you're not really being yourself. And so you get to kind of like fuck off a bit. You get to kind of um, you don't put stuff on yourself as much. I think that's right, and especially with acting mm-hmm. and music to a certain degree, but things that are so. It can feel the rejection of it can yeah, feel so incredibly personal, personal that God. there's a little bit of separation, right? Like, yeah. you, like severance. Like, you can go home, you can leave it at the office a little bit. I'm 52. Do you think it would be a bad move to change my name now? I think that there's no bad time to do anything, really. I think it'd be kind of hilarious. You know what I thought about recently is how scared I would be if I had to change my phone number. Oh my God. How long have you had your phone number? Oh, probably about six, 15 years yeah, now, I've had my 16 22 years. 22 years. 
Yeah, but the thing is, if you told like um like a younger millennial or maybe like a Z millennial that they'd be like, I don't give a shit because they don't they don't use they don't call or text and yeah, talk yeah. with people through social media probably. Yeah. And even then, like I hate the fact that I'm so scared to lose my number. It's um, such an attachment. You know I mean, such it's such an, an incredible I an attachment. Atta- I have a landline. I have, and I have a. Huge what if they call? To that. Yeah, I have a huge attachment to that too. Well, we called them, but he didn't pick up, so we gave it to Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me when I was. I didn't. I had. I there was a movie called Rookie of the Year. Okay, I know. I've seen that movie. Okay. Um, I was thinking about that movie because it's. Uh, well, those tendons healed a little tight. That's what it was, and that, yeah. and suddenly he could throw like yeah. 105 mile an hour. Yeah. And I lived, you know, I don't know, a mile from Wrigley Field. That's and a Chicago I, baseball movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got, Cubs. and it was, and it was like, they need 10 actors to come play baseball. Can you be at Wrigley Field mm-hmm. in an hour to have an audition? And then it, you'd be in run of the picture yeah. if they get selected. And I was like waiting tables, and I missed it. And yeah. I, I was, I, I, my girlfriend came home from work because I was so distraught. Wow! Because I thought, literally, I thought I'm gonna be sitting in a bar someday, being like, "That that would have been it, man. That would have been it." Damn. But that was because of fucking answering machines. Yeah, and also, who knows? Maybe it would have been the worst thing ever if you got that. 100, percent of course. It would have been like a thing you thought it was so great, and then nothing happened of it, and you were just so it just would have ruined you. Or, or, something like or that. I, you know, got hit by a bus on the way to the yeah. state. You know. Did you hear that sound just now? Is that my my ears doing something weird? Isn't it? Does everything sound clean to you? Yeah. Wow. Does that ever happen to you where sometimes one of your ears is like temporary? I'm going to turn off for a second. Like, it goes turn off, to that high pitch Yes. Thing. That's yes. what I was doing. My left ear is doing that right yeah. now. Oh, it's so freaky. Dude, what is this? Like the aging podcast? No, that <laughs> would happen to me when I was a kid. It happens it to me less now. My God. It's still happening, but maybe I can throw where it, it off. kind of goes, ow. Yeah, it just sort yeah. of phased out. Yeah. I wonder what the fuck that is. You think it's like a thing where your ears like, um, you know how you go to some websites at a weird time, they're like, oh, this website's down because we're yes. testing. Yes. They always do it when the time they think going to be the least number of users. I feel like right now, my ear just decided. I think that's your brain just yeah. saying, we're not going to, we're going to shut this application. We're going to shut this application Patient for down. a second. Yeah. It's back now. It restarted. It's fine. Great. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. It probably is a computer thing like that where they just shut down the application. The, the, your brain through. goes, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with this. Let's just turn it on and off. <laughs> See yeah. if it works again. Okay, it's working great now. It's working great. Do, 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 dow, dow. Dow, D. You ever listen to that band Liars with a Y? No, L-Y-A-R-S? L- no. L-Y. I always think about them when I think about you for some reason because I know you like like a lot of rock from that era, yeah. right? Like 80s, yeah. but not like traditional 80s. But what, like, um, were they, where were they they're from? They're from Boston. They're from huh. like the late 70s, early 80s. Um, it's like psych, kind of like second wave psych. Mm-hmm. You want to hear a song by them? Mm-hmm. This is probably their biggest song. I love this song. Yeah, it fucking rips. Yeah. It's like pure, yeah, yeah. like just guttural. And I'll, tremolo on everything. Yeah. Tons of tremolo. In time, in in time delay. That's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Not anymore. Oh, yeah, you're right. Then it was. Because they weren't doing it in post. It was live, right? Well, you can't. You couldn't sync it. This, like a Jonathan Richmond yeah. cramp, crampsy thing. Yeah. Just real sassy. Love it. Uh, yeah, Don't you I, wonder, like, what are these guys doing now? I think it's that way about a lot of things I and a lot me of people. Too. You know what my, uh, my short answer to everything? When, what is someone doing now? 
is probably into Trump. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's so depressing. Isn't it true though? There's so many people who you're like, oh, I don't want to check up on what mm. they what they're up to because it's who knows if they did it. I had a I had a the answer. I've always wondered that. Yeah. My whole life, I've been like, what What does that person do? Like, what's Mary Lou Hanner doing right now? Uh-huh. All these things. And uh, during the, not just quarantine, but during the right. full on two years ago lockdown, like yeah. nobody leaving the house, the beginning. I would be like, McCartney's in his house. Yeah. Jordan is in his house. Right. Like, every, everybody's doing the same thing, right. which is nothing. Any station in life, whatever. Everything is shut down for a second. It was very strange. I don't know if you've heard about that, but that thing I happened did. like two years ago. I have crazy. a new name for it now. What is it? The Dan Pemmick. Nice. This well, Dan Pemmick? The freaking Dan Pemmick, man. Yeah. It's so funny how much it's uh, upset things to the extent where it feels like the um, like the tail of a comet or something where the comet is is big, but the tail is so much longer than the actual thing itself. And it's going to take... So long for us to even realize what was upset by it. I think that it also tore the facade off of a lot of yeah. things, especially yeah. in this country. Healthcare, sure. uh, uh, income inequality. Oh my God, yeah. Racism. I mean, the Trump uh, pandemic combo is really a just just open it all up and let's yeah, see what's inside. Big how, combo. how we're rotting from the inside. Do you and feel there's like- these things that, sorry, there's these things that are so surprising that you would never think about. For instance, my kid was nine mm-hmm. when it started and she's almost 12. So she basically went into like pre-adolescence tweendom right. during the pandemic. And now the mask mandate is lifting at school. Right. All these kids who are, have kind of entered self-consciousness. Oh my God. Don't, won't take their masks off. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, well, it's such a relief to wear a mask. Like, nobody gets... I, I get totally. To, like, I don't feel like I look good today. I get to wear this mask. Yeah. That's a very real thing. I've noticed that. I, I hate wearing them. I mean, I really hate it. Obviously, I'm not like a person who doesn't not wear it when you're supposed to. But any chance, I don't have to. Like, sure. I was in Nashville about a month ago doing some shows. And, you know, if not, you know Nashville didn't have bit. the pandemic? I know they did They didn't. basically I did not have on, it. I know. And so you go around Nashville Lemon and it's like, Perth. it feels fucking good. It's yeah. nice. It's so nice, especially now because you don't have to worry about getting, you know, getting sick or at least right. significantly less worry. And um, it just felt, I just loved it. I fucking loved it. But then I go to the grocery store here like the few days after they lifted the mandate and he saw very few people without the mask, but the ones you did... It's almost like when you look at someone without a mask, they kind of felt. Yes. They would feel they're being them being seen. I, even myself, I feel kind of like I don't know if I. Yeah. It feels weird to be. Yeah. To be in public and to be identifiable and stuff. It's I know. it's 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 the kind of thing where if that's how I'm thinking, I'm conscious of that. How? But what a fucking deep mind fuck it must be. I mean, did you have the thing? I still have it where only certain things it clicks in, but I'm watching. TV or a movie, and you feel like what? The, what and you're are like, doing? wow, they're so close to each other. Oh, I hate it. And it's like from 1960. Yeah. And you're like, oh, why are they up in each other's grills, dude? Our, our, whatever our generation is, the people who were adults during the pandemic, they're just, we're just fucking. Our brains are gonna be. It's like a thing it's where um, it's like a scar, probably. It's like a big sure. mental scar that's never gonna go away. It's just gonna be kind of a thing where 
You know, you, you used to talk about like how they used to talk about Vietnam vets and stuff, how they'd be like, oh, he was a nom. So, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously not going to be this severe, but there's going to be some sort of a weird thing that we have, like a weird like. Well, in the way that 9-11, right, or yeah. any kind of national tragedy, but this is somehow it's, cuts Because it's so long. It lasts deeper. so long. Right. It's such a, you're right. It's such a mindfuck. Yeah. And we've got the, the double Dutch action where it was, uh, it was lifted and then it was back. Ugh. Like anytime you do something, anytime you take something away and then put it back, people, that fucks people over so I hard. I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced. I mean, don't, would you be surprised if in a month it was like actually lock, oh. lock it down? Although I oh feel like God. I think people, people lost, be, I think we lost so done. much money. The people are like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. We're not shutting it down. Like the government, you're like not, not doing that again. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm ready to die for it. I'm ready, sure. to, <laughs> I'm ready to go out. I'm ready to die for the Grove. <laughs> fuck, man. I'm ready to die for the I gotta get to grove. that pottery barn, dude. Gotta get to, you gotta get to so many great stores in the same location with a trolley. All that but stuff. don't tell the secret of the other Grove. Oh, we're talking about the... Shh. Okay. The American Grove. Yeah, the American Grove. Oh, my God. Heaven. It's great. It's great. It's pretty great. I haven't been in a while. It's amazing. They also didn't have the pandemic there. Because it's outside? That's because it's outside, and I think it's uh, mostly elderly Armenian men, and uh-huh. they're like, yeah. you know, they'll wear the mask on the chin, but only on the chin. <laughs> I do kind of love that dedication, the thing where it's like the person's, you got it on, you're going to do the chin mask, and you're just going to keep it there until Someone somebody knows. really, really, really tells you not to. It's, it's a, a dare. It's, it's a little bit of a knock yeah. this battery off my shoulder thing. Battery? Remember it was a commercial oh, in the really? 80s with Robert Conrad from Wild Wild West. Oh my God. And it was like, knock, it was a Duracell commercial. It'd be like, knock this off my shoulder. I dare you. I don't even remember what the tie-in to why that made it a good battery or not was. That sounds like a, Tough. doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And you could see that there was a piece of cardboard in his coat yeah. to, like oh, to make put the stiff. battery on. Yeah. Man. I don't remember what that was. I remember old commercials so well. Like it's a kind of thing where I'll sing. There's a song, um, "Don't Forget Your Buddy." It's about like a big, <laughs> a big drink you can get at the Quick Trip. What's Quick Trip? That must have been it's a like local. a gas station. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget your buddy. It's like a big forty-five ounce like jug of, you know, you get a bunch, a huge jug of Pepsi. Nine eight eight two three hundred Empire. What is that one? Empire Carpets, Chicago. I know that one, but yeah, I why know do why, I know that? Uh, maybe WGN. Did you have WGN? Yeah, Bozo Show, baby. Yeah, so WGN was like the first cable station, but it was a local oh, Chicago shit, station. Yeah. yeah, Bozo and the Cubs and all that shit, yeah. Have you been back to Chicago much? Um, uh, I got back a few times last year, yeah. But you didn't, you stayed here the whole pandemic, right? Uh, sorry, yeah. The whole damn pandemic. I stayed here. Yeah. I, you know, I went to like, yeah, I went to Joshua Tree, but freak, freaked out, you know. Did you, did you do like any um, experimentals? Mm, yeah. Nice. What do G- you pre- gently? Gently. Do you prefer uh, the uh, easing, psilocybin or? Tw- yeah, yeah, you do. Okay. Easing back towards that. I mean, when I was in, you know, after college, there right. was a lot of, and then not for a decade, you know. Yeah. And then yeah, that's obviously that's kind of easing back in. It's good for your brain. That's what they say. Did you feel like it really helped your brain? The most recent, your most recent experience with it. I them? take antidepressants, so I'm not sure that I had the. F- yeah, I'm not sure I got the amount. There's correct. an interruption, like SSRIs that, cause say. a. Right. I don't know what it is. Oh, is that the same with LSD though? I wonder. I wonder too. I know it's yeah. the same with like um, MDMA, like that. I've never even. MDMA tried doesn't that work because it just wouldn't. Yeah, it doesn't work put that at all. My body. But I would imagine there'd be some kind of uh, patch workaround. Maybe I feel like LSD, from what I know about it. That I can't. I don't. That 
It's too much in a basement. You think so? It's too much from a basement. It's, it's oh. chem lab. It's, yeah, kind of no, kind of not, really. Really? I mean, I don't know. I think it depends. That's why whenever people people who are really into acid, when they find some good stuff, they know they the get batch. a lot. They get a lot of it uh-huh, uh-huh. because you don't know sure. when you're gonna see that again. Yeah, yeah. So you get a bunch, and uh, when it's good, it's great. When I've, it's bad. When it's bad, it's just not that great. It's not horrible. I've only had one bad acid trip and that was because I took a significant amount by accident. Like a significant, probably like three or four hits. Oh golly. How long did that go on? How long did it last? Almost about like 14, 15 hours probably. It wasn't terrible the whole time, but it was a good seven hours of roller coaster and it was like 11, it was like 10 or 11 a.m. on a a Wednesday. (laughs) On a Wednesday. Did you have help? Was there somebody with you? Yeah. I called my girlfriend uh, I called her, had her come home. And you're like, home. whoops, I took four hits of acid. Can you come over? Yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. know how much I took. It was liquid. Oh, and yeah. I missed my... I mean, I have, I've talked about this a bunch on different podcasts and stuff. But basically, interesting. I was... Um, I was intending to do the microdose. I microdosed a bunch. And I found it really, sure. really helpful. Sure. I had a bunch of stuff planned that day. I was supposed to do a podcast. I was supposed to go to a, di- like a dinner with some friends of mine. And I had to cancel everything. Sure. Once I started hiking up this hill, I was the only one there because it was raining that day. And I like texted people through like this haze, this absolute <sighs> debilitating haze. Like yeah. the only thing, the only thing, good thing about it was not the only good thing, but the thing that was good about it is I'd done acid a bunch of times before, so, so I knew you, like okay, this is going to end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have to um, hold on. It's almost like a storm or something where if as long as I can hold on to the railing and not get blown off the yeah, ships, I will yeah. survive. I feel like. Um, so many people have, tr- have kind of transitioned from weed use to mushroom use. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like, I know a lot of people that are kind of like lifelong stoners yeah. who, you know, seem a little like lifelong stoners. Like, uh-huh. Can't, like, <laughs> oh, can't, really? Can't find their keys. <laughs> yeah. And, but they've, like, mood-wise and sharpness-wise and just life-wise mm-hmm. have gone to, like, the microdose thing. And then, like, oh... We're having a night. We'll take a little, a little extra, and they, yeah, and and that they really find it mm-hmm. to be almost like going back to what it was like when they smoked weed, when they started smoking weed. Yeah. There's a kind of joy to it, and it like they felt good, and it wasn't just maintenance. It's going to become so commonplace, I think, in the next five, ten years. Yeah, it already is. <clears throat> There's already like tons of microdosing protocols you can take. Yes, you can right. get. I have some. I just signed up for this one, and got these capsules that have half. Lion's mane, half psilocybin. What's lion's mane? Lion's mane is like this really powerful, um, I guess it's considered an adaptogen. It's a it's a mushroom. Mm-hmm. It's a fungus. But it's supposed to do all this crazy repair work to your neural network. Wow. So if you take it, and you take it regularly, it does. It helps like your myelin sheath of your mm-hmm. of your um. So I neurons. love that. That's a Japanese hardcore band, right? Myelin, Myelin sheath. sheath? Yeah, oh, my God. Anytime I hear the word sheath, I think of one thing only. I think of fucking like a condom or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's not a great word. But they, it's supposed to like make your um, like repair stuff. So it helps you relearn, uh, like re make new pathways in your oh, brain. Really? Yeah. I know uh, three people mm-hmm. in the last couple of months who told me that they've transitioned off SSRIs and wow. onto... That My, microdoses. I'll send you and, a link. You know, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, it scares me a little bit, but um, I'm certainly interested in. It, it seems really interesting. How it, long have you taken the SSRIs? Um, long time. Long time. So, do you wonder if maybe like um, 
they don't really do anything anymore. It's more just kind of like a thing where you know it's a it's a it's almost a nature nurture thing. I yeah. remember when I uh, you know was maybe having a rougher time that there was this kind of discussion of like this can help you reduce hardwiring. Right, right. You know that you really can retrain yourself between CBT between cognitive behavioral therapy right. and, and talk therapy and you know some medicines to change the way your pathways work mm -hmm. so the question is if you come off do you can you maintain that yeah uh and part of me is just it's not like scared it's just more like oh, do i really want to like it's a it lot of work if it ain't broke a little bit like i gotta i got yeah d d duties i wanted to say right duties is if weird, it ain't broke but, we don't fix it kind of. that makes yeah, sense but like i've also changed i mean i've changed in the last Five years, if something new comes out and there's a different combination of things, I try yeah. not to. I just don't want to be taking so much medicine all the mm -hmm. time. So I've always been reducing when I can, and it's oh. been pretty effective. Maybe it's time to switch to the to the the plant gods. Mm. Could be. <sighs> Could be. <laughs> <laughs> like no. Are my, are my parents gonna hear this? You think? I don't or know. If my, you send it to them, they probably will. Yeah, my daughter. Um, but. You know, I I also feel like the um, doesn't matter anymore. Nothing matters anymore, right? Because uh, of nihilism, or because like uh, it's legal and fine. <laughs> oh, uh, both. I think and that's not much so much nihilism, but like kind of um, uh, post damn pandemic. It's sort of uh, all like, bets are off. Of all the things to care about, that is to me seems like it's not a big thing to care about. Yeah, I would say yeah. two years ago, I never. Not that, uh, that there was any shame around it, but I wouldn't say, oh, I take SSRIs yeah. or I've take, taken acid when I was a kid. Like, I would never... Really? I just wouldn't be... Yeah. It's like, it was like none of anybody's business. Totally. I feel the same way. And I'm like, if you care about that, fuck you. Like, that's, you know, like... Right. There's always that thing you think about. If you want to work in this town, you got to maintain your yeah, image. Yeah, you can't be... Definitely can't take antidepressants to work in this town. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anyone I know who isn't. That's what I mean. I feel like I'm the outlier because I never have. Ever? I've never? never ever taken any... Um, I thought about it, but it just scares me, I think. I get that. Yeah. That scares... That. It scares me more to take them than anything else because if I take something and I can't tell what it's doing, if I can't feel it right away, then I feel like, what the fuck is going on? I will say that I only started on those when I was in... I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound dramatic, but I was having a really hard time. Yeah. And like I was, I had kind of done everything and was just right. like, I need relief. You can only I, exercise so much. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, you can only drink so much vodka. Okay, so there you go. No, it's no, a different, it, different but, path. But it was like, I need, you know, I, I, and I was a smart person was like, this is a tool, not a, not a solution. Right. That's what they, that sounds like a psychiatrist. Yeah, it was a psychiatrist and it was mm -hmm. super helpful. And, um, that's how I still view it. Um, so it'd be interesting to try to step away from it. Yeah. Let me know. I'll send you the link. Yeah. <laughs> I feel please. like I'll send you the link. It's such a good, I'll send you the link. I always think of names for a podcast. That'd be great for a podcast. I'll, I'll send, send you the, the link. I'll send you the link. It's all about just, uh, Telling someone about something. And also telling people what to do. Yeah, That's telling people what to do. <laughs> you know you have to do? The person God. I hadn't talked to in months mm -hmm. texted me the other day, like, how are you? I was like, I'm good, you know, and my kid has a cold. And, and it was like, you need to get them. And it was just like, this juice, blah, blah, blah. I was like, 
Like, hi, oh, how are wow. you? Don't tell me what to do. I, I think again, that's gonna always everything with me goes back to the same thing. It's I think it's this uh, damn demic. It's post damn pemic. Uh, uh, damn pemic. Con- it's get that it's right. control thing. I think this is my theory. I've been working on this for a while, but I think that uh, the reason there's so many things that are different now is because everyone lost any sense of control for like two years, and so now they're trying to reassert that. And almost any situation possible, I think it goes even to casting. How they won't. Um, how there's so many things now where, like, what? Are, why, why are they asking for this? Or why are they? Why are they sending me this thing? It's like this is, like, how we we know each other. It's, or it's kind of thing where there's all these things where they want to see everything. They want to have everything be. Pr- everybody wants everything That's proved right. because they, they, people are exercising some form of control. Well, and over I think the it's, situation. I don't think it's post pandemic. I mm-hmm. think it was during. I think it was during for dur- sure. Like any sense of control that you could gain. Yeah. You did. I mean, I cleaned my house like a, it was insane. Wow. And it was like all I could do. Yeah. You know, there there was, yeah, a sense of helplessness. And I think that with that thing, oh my God, the casting thing, don't even get me started on. Well, that's a whole other thing. But the I, tapes and the, oh, it's and the number of people they're seeing. And, a number of people, they're seeing a ton. Well, so, so, so think about it. A new casting director friend of mine said to me, mm-hmm. who will remain nameless, and she said this like it was a good thing. She said, oh my God, it's so great. I'm casting this movie. I, I can see 100 people for this role. Wow. Because they don't have to have office hours anymore. Right. They don't, like if they were going to see 30 people for a role, 10 of those people had gotten to a position in, of, uh, in their careers where they were like, okay, well, if you want to see this person, have them in. Yeah. Even if it's not the director, even if it's a casting associate. But put right. them on tape, give them some direction. Yeah. And now it's like, well, we can't because of the pandemic. So now it's like, well, now I can see... A hundred people, and mm-hmm. also, I don't have to make time for those people in my office. Mm-hmm. They just have to send me tapes. So yeah. I'm going to go to Palm Springs, and <laughs> I'm going to wait for the link to come in. I'll send you a link, and I can not only cast such a wider net, right? but I can find the person who's doing it exactly right without giving a direction. There's no interaction. So that, you get an audition, you go, well, what's the tone of this? How? Mm-hmm. What's working? The, the two jobs I got during the pandemic were because I got like a casting director I knew who specifically said they're looking for I finally got some direction looking for Paul so I was able to eventually but I was able to change to modulate well they're like we've seen 20 people do it Mm -hmm. they kind of are leaning this way some people are doing it this way some people are doing this way if you could okay great I take direction otherwise you're just shooting in the freaking dark oh it's absolutely it's insane i only realized that maybe about a year ago where like oh this is why this isn't working it's because the thing that i know how to do is to listen and change that's like the whole nature of life right and the whole nature of acting which is Is interacting and responding right as opposed (laughs) to someone on on facetime (laughs) even when it's a casting associate whose head is in their script and they're Mm -hmm. going no, I love you more than I've ever loved still, anybody else. You're still there having some kind of somatic experience. And if they say, if you do it, they're like, that was great. Um, it's just way smaller. Like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Have you, I mean, the times I've gotten a job from a first take reading, mm-hmm. I count on one hand as opposed right. to an adjustment, even one tiny adjustment. Also, I know that the director's, have started to get pissed about this now. Oh, thank God. Because they're starting to cast people who then show up on set and can do it one way. 
Oh. And they, and it's like you know that you know Oops. my uh, <laughs> my ex and I, who's a wonderful actor, we have this thing called audition scene, where sometimes okay. you see a movie and you're like, that was definitely an audition scene. Okay, yeah. Like you can tell by like what scene it is mm-hmm. and by the way that the actor's doing it. It's That's, like everything is before. some kind of one way, and then that one has a certain polish that's oh, a it little sticks out. different. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. Or like when you watch a TV pilot, you're like, that was the audition scene. Right. God damn, that's crazy. I didn't realize that stuff. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I think you have to, even if, you know, I'm sure you've had Zoom uh, I've come, meetings like with directors. Only a few. Only, yeah, only, like only a handful. Or something. Yeah, I've had, I think, a handful too. I maybe had two. It's like, why isn't that the, why aren't we doing that all the time? I was thinking a few uh, a few months ago or something. I don't even, when I say a few something, I don't even know anymore what time something was. No. But I was thinking it would be great if we all just boycotted it and said, we're just not going to do this anymore because it doesn't uh, work. I think that, you know, yes, I agree, but good luck with... It's not possible. You can't get anyone... <laughs> no. It's like getting a bunch of uh, squirrels to agree on what, what to do or something. You ever something. listen to on a SAG meeting? They can't decide where to put the fucking copier. Uh. Like it's... <laughs> It's like SAG is the, the probably the most disorganized bunch of idiots in the entire it's world. The worst. You the, could the send worst. them into a war zone. They would just people would be like, okay, fine, just stop talking. Just stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, just stop. End it. Shut it down. Okay, look, we yeah. don't know where the bathroom. We, we know that that bathroom doesn't work. Or, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think there are some people who are saying, I'm not, unless I get to sit with somebody or talk to somebody yeah. first. It makes sense because it's so... Uh, I'm not that person, but maybe I should be. I think I'm going to have to start being that person only because, at least for select things. I have started saying I'll note a bunch of stuff because yeah. I just feel like I'm not going to go through the rigmarole of this when it's when I know I'm not either I know I'm not the right person for it. Right. So what, shouldn't I be working on some of my own thing instead? I, I had an um, audition last week through my voiceover mm-hmm. agent who I've been with for six years who I've never have booked a job through okay. and they're great. They're very nice. Right. They send me three things a week and I do it at home and I like don't commercial get... view or like, yeah. Okay. Stuff, you know, like, you know, Lexus and, um, when every direction says the same thing, I think not looking for an announcer, every single uh-huh. thing. Said, and then you always cast a guy who's like, Ugh. so yeah. Le- Lexus LS 406. Yeah. You've got a body. Yeah. Use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Limited time offer only. Uh, you have to do that really fast thing at the very end. Yeah. I've heard uh, some weird ones lately. This was a, um, do I want to say? I mean, it doesn't fucking matter. Just say it's it. For a, it's for a Disney, huge Disney movie uh-huh. to play like a lead, mm-hmm. like the evil king. Right. Which And it's a musical. <laughs> and they were like, we have this great audition for you. You can sing, right? And it, I can. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I think I can. Well, and it's like s- nine yeah, pages. And they want it, but they want it as a, re- they want to see you, even though it's a voice yeah. audition. And I was like, I'm not going to... I mean, it's going to be James Corden, right? It's sure, going to be some, fucking Harvey some, Keitel. Some it's gonna, James. It's going to be some, some one of the Jameses. Harvey Con. Keitel would be... That would be crazy. Yeah, it would be crazy. And I was like... It was that thing of like, I know you got to play to win. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is, wor- this, is a, this is a day and a half of like, you know... Yeah, it's a day and, know, and a half. This is a, a t- lot. This is a terrible uh, lesson for any young actor listening. I guess. I don't But I, I did it. You did it. Yeah. I did. And did I, you feel good afterwards? Uh huh. It was actually really fun. That's what and I, I always say. And I did it. I but also, too. my manager, who's really smart, was like, "Look, you know, 
No, are you going to get this? I mean, but somebody's going to see it, and uh-huh. maybe Disney Animation sees it and is like, hey, let's make him the little rat guy that says, like, what the fuck, one time. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to do, like, an evil king voice. Yeah. And I got to sing a song, you know. Right. It said They said acapella, and I was like, fuck that. I'm, I can play the guitar. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. take out your weapons. Right. My trigger finger. Um, but it felt a little like, oh, I felt like I was 22 again and doing one of those things where like, if they want you to audition for this mm-hmm. lead in this Julia Roberts movie where you're like, yeah, I'm not getting this. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it always feels good to do the thing. It's weird how that's the case. I know. I always feel so good after making something. Even I suppose it's because you just made something. You actually, you produce something because that's what these little self tapes are. That's like a little mini movie. I saw this uh, interview with Brian Cranston that I'll send you the link. That is, um, <laughs> I'll send you the link. That is uh, uh, him being, I don't know, one of those talkbacks, which he's great talk at. Talkbacks? What do you mean? Like after a screening or something, or I, maybe he's talking oh, like to a, a group Q&A? of actors. Yeah, maybe okay. he's talking to like um, a bunch of acting students, and mm-hmm. he talks about changing the mentality of what an audition is to that the, that the audition is the job. And that, like, if you can feel satisfied oh, doing right. that thing. Yes. that it changes it doesn't maybe necessarily even change if you get the job or not but right. it changes the fucking taste in your mouth the relationship to it yeah the relationship to it that's a good idea actually mm-hmm. yeah that's like get your rocks off doing that thing mm-hmm. I saw Jeff Garland say something about that and obviously Jeff Garland's not exactly like you know oh Jeff Garland's when he did this role we loved what he did with it mm-hmm. you know he's always being Jeff Garland mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but he said all the Jeffs, Goldblum, Garland, <laughs> all the Jeffs are <laughs> do their, going up against do their all Jeff the Davids. Thing. They do their Jeff thing. Yeah, and he was saying about how um, because he said so he does stand up a lot of times during yeah. stand up. He just does Q and A. It's not oh, real right? stand up. It's sort of this thing where he just talks. He makes up. He just talks off the top of his head, and he's he must have balls that are difficult to move around with. You know what I mean? Because they're so big. But he, he was talking about. Someone asked him, like, do you like uh, writing or doing uh, acting more? And he's like, I love writing. I love, I've always loved writing the most. Acting's great, but it's something where he was just saying how um, if you do something like an audition or something, all you can ever do is just show them your joy because great. they have how you, what you do almost has nothing, no bearing whatsoever on whether or not you're going to be it's cast true. because true. you're going to get cast because the first second or two is like, oh this is the guy i mean i've been on both sides i've you yeah. know i produced a, you've been on a, definitely and i produced a, and, and directed shows and it's like that thing i was like i knew in the first i'm like fuck you you knew in the first two seconds watch my whole audition and, and then you're in the room people come you're in like, and you go nope yep yeah and oh that person's incredibly prepared trained and they did this great but they're not the they're person. Not the person. And the next person, you're like, that person needs a little work. But you're like, but that's kind of the vibe. Yeah, that's the thing. It's horrible. <laughs> it's but horrible, it's true. but it's also, it takes so much pressure off. Yeah, and the other thing that Cranston said, I think, is along those lines, is it's a gift, like, and which is, goes to the joy thing. Yeah. Which is like, I'm giving, even in an audition, it's yeah. like, I'm not here to beg for a job. No. I'm not here to try to do what I think you want me to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this. This is what I do. And then... Yeah, it's, it's like a light, and sometimes you can put a filter on it, Yeah, but it's always going to be the same essential thing that comes out. It's a hard thing to tap into and remember. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the thing where people are like, oh, in the room. And boy, right. you see people who are 
trying to own the room and it's not really there and they're acting like they're owning the room. There's nothing worse than that thing, which is a kind of false bravado Mm -hmm. or false joy. God, I've I've had so few instances of being on the other side of it. I bet it would change my brain completely if I I was. You you know, even being a reader, I remember I was in Chicago Mm -hmm. and they asked me, uh, I'd be a reader at at theaters sometimes. And it was absolutely fascinating. And then being on the other side of it, casting series and doing that well, again was it was a it, as a kid in, in my 20s watching the theater ones was really instructive mm-hmm. a few years ago doing uh imposters which is that show i co-created was it was horrifying really as an horrif- actor like oh, i was like how have you? i ever gotten a job <sighs> the it felt like the, the way i described it to my friend was like driving through Wyoming in summer and just flies dying on the windshield. I was like the 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 pure amount of humanity oh, coming through the door and it not hurts even you. just like the lists the, the casting director just being like there's a list of two hundred people and then they're just like crossing no 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 God. what about these ten people let's bring these four in you're just like how has anybody ever gotten a job. My God. It was dispiriting in a weird way, even though someone was going to get the job and yeah. that was exciting. But you're, it felt, I don't know, like, I don't know if you think about this, Johnny, but like we've had, we've had nice careers. Right. Is it, is it scarier to think we've had something to do with it or is it scarier to think it's random? Like they're both terrifying thoughts. Mm, yeah. I suppose, I mean, I think there's got to be some randomness, but I think it's basically. I think I've definitely had something to do with it, but not consciously. Mm-hmm. It was something where, I don't know, for me, I think a lot of it was me just being such a, what do you call it? Like a, I want to say not a jackass, but someone who's so um, irres- so irreverent, so like non-respective, not non-respectful to stuff, but not in like a way where like, fuck you. It was more just like, right. I really didn't care. Which is one of also one of those things that you cannot fake. Yeah, you like, cannot fake. You it. cannot fake. Like I'm, uh, and uh, I've had a, I had a similar thing. I got the like I got the first really big job I'd ever gotten, mm-hmm. and I called a uh, friend of mine uh, who was a very established actor at that time, mm-hmm. and he said, "You're going to book the next three jobs you go in for because you're so because false. you got this job, like yeah. you know you're doing this job." You're gonna be busy for two months. Yeah, you got all this affirmation, and you don't need this. You don't need the next. You job. don't care about it, so you throw it away. It's just like you just—it just comes off of you differently. Mm-hmm. Your relation to it is differently is is different, and yeah, and yeah. It's, you know, I think I do think the question I posed to you is—it's some combination. You know, you have to put yourself in those situations and be open right. to being lucky. Because you can't <laughs> always go in there like a drunk, but like Spencer Tracy or something like that. Right. You, know? you can't just do that. Mm. But it takes so much. I feel like it's either either do do the thing where it's just purely I don't give a fuck, top of the head. I don't care. I love you, but I don't care. I don't have time yeah. for this. Or you work on it so much that you get back up to that place where. It's like that thing they say about Fincher, right? Like you do like forty-five takes. Yeah. Because after more. after forty takes, you just you're not acting. You're just fucking. It's the shining thing. You're just where getting they would through do like there. Seventy takes, and then he uh, would use part of take one and part of take seventy, and that's why his performance seems so. That's my dream. That's in- all I want. Incoherent. 
Uh, but I think purposefully. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, what was the other? Wait, you're, what was the thing I was thinking of? Oh, I don't know if this is attributed to Denzel Washington, but I don't know if it's true that that he said it. But it's interesting. He said, "Don't do it. Don't work on something until you get it right. Work on it until you can't get it wrong." Yeah, okay, that's a good thing. To, wow, it makes a lot of sense. But sometimes that can make for a stiff. It can. I think if you. Um, if I have all the time in the world, yeah. I'll do so, I'll work something like crazy, and then I'll be like, okay, I did it. I'm done with it. I finished it. And the next day, I'm like, that shit sucked. Do it again. <laughs> and this time, it's in me. It's in my head. It's in my hands. It's in my body. I do it. I don't, I don't have the script in my hand because I don't give a shit about it. I'm just doing it. Then it's really good because that's the thing where I for, I've forgotten it. And then put it back in your body. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, and like you've literally committed it to tape or you've just worked on it? Walking around your living room, like tape. I'll, You've I'll actually make, taped it. I'll make. You'll like, make the tape. Yeah, I just did that. Just just last week, I made um a tape. I went and went to my acting studio and I paid for the tape. Yeah, I've done that. And too. it was like, oh, this sucks. My uh-huh. head's cut off. It's uh-huh. there's like a hum in the background. Yeah. My performance is terrible. And then I shot it at home. The lighting was bad too. All this, all this stuff. So I'm like a control freak with that stuff. Where I mm. want it to be, it has to look. Uh, that's the problem with the self-tape stuff is because if you have any kind of aesthetic interest whatsoever, then you can't send something like, well, this looks bad. The, yeah. It's not balanced. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that are yeah. wrong with it. Yeah. And you have to like, oh, I have to direct this as well. Uh, I have an amazing, I don't use him all the time, but I'm okay. ama- I'll send you the link. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have an amazing guy. And he's a, he's okay. so funny. He's a total curmudgeon. Oh, that's my favorite favorite person. But he's such really a good act. He's such a good off-camera Damn. reader, like one of the best ever. And it looks and sounds beautiful. Okay. Uh, do you know the um, Brolin, the Josh Brolin, No Country story? Um, the, I think. Let me just see. Let me tell you. And I think and you stopped me. This is wrong. Yeah, yeah. He was like, um, No, Coen Brothers are reaching out no. to me a whole bunch. I didn't want. I just kept saying no, kept saying no. Wasn't the right thing, and um, and I felt like this was the right role. No, that wasn't it. That okay. was close. Uh, he was making Death Proof at the time. Okay. When the No Country audition came in or whatever, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get to go to a meeting then, and he was mm-hmm. like, "Well, I'll put myself on tape," and and I'm sure this parts of this are apocryphal, but whatever. And that Rodriguez and oh. Tarantino like built or at least modified. A set to shoot it for him, and then shot it like shot it with two cameras, and they That's operated and they rad. edited on film and they edited it. And they sent probably it to the loved Coen that Brothers. though, of course. Like, they're they're like, like yeah, we'll make a little mini movie yeah. for the Coen Brothers, sure, because they're all such huge Just, fans of those guys. Yeah, they're such you know, film geeks. So God. Any, ex- any excuse, it's so great. I hope it's true. That sounds about right. I heard that was also the case with um, what's his name. The guy, the wrestler, um, Mickey... With Mickey Rourke? Yeah, I heard he was... Someone helped him shoot... Some big person helped him uh-huh. shoot a role. Maybe it's that story, and I'm flipping it around in my Maybe. head. Because that sounds... That's crazy. Rodriguez and Tarantino shooting your know, audition. Right? But Brolin's also... He's Hollywood legacy, right? Absolutely. So it's also... I, heard I know. You're so... You're, yeah. Part of you is like, mm, okay. Yeah. Although those guys, I don't think... Combros give a shit about that stuff. They don't, but what, what I mean Although is that Brolin has like a... They do respond to ease. It's in his bones. And they respond to ease. Yeah. They, they, they don't like being, you know, they have something they call the van test, which is they will not cast somebody that they can't spend uh, 45 minutes in a van with. Are you serious? Yeah. That's I mean, they don't actually do the test, but it's kind of like a, oh, I don't know cool. if I can be around this person. They make me uncomfortable or they're annoying oh or whatever God, it is. Oh my God, that's such a thing. Yeah. Holy shit. Especially for those guys. They, that's, a, they are that's interesting. Not Because you, you worked with them. I did, and they're not social animals. 
Yeah, I remember seeing an interview with them, and they're um, they're both picking their at their fingers in the whole interview. Like these guys are, <laughs> these guys are good at the movies, <laughs> right? And that's what they're good at. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the direction. Oh, that was amazing. That was. Did you work with them on a, on a uh, for just, a long time? No, just one. But for a whole one movie. One oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you weren't just in and out. You weren't, no, like, a, you weren't there, like. I was there the whole time. It was great. That's how. How was that? Um, how how long ago was that? Seventeen years. Wow. Years, yeah. So, were you living here then? Uh, no, I was living in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I had a place to stay here, and I got cast here. So, um, oh, but I got—I did get hired as an out of town. I remember just taking the per diem, and still when they gave you cash, and just like oh. putting it in a drawer and being like, "Oh my god, dude, the per- this cash is more per diem than, is the ultimate." This is like more. This is more than I was making. This is—I don't need a salary. This is great. Was that your first big job? No, it wasn't. But it had been. I hadn't. Uh, had a big one in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'd done, you know, I'd been a series regular on a show before. I think I'd never made it to air. I'd done a f- bunch of TV and a couple movies. Yeah. But yeah, it was my biggest role to date, certainly. Um, it was great. I, that was an amazing experience. I bet. And also, get, you know, getting to... Loving... I mean, you've had this experience, but getting to work with people who, like, you grew up... Yeah. Worshipping is just... It's a crazy experience. Was it really? Was it weird? How, how quickly did it did it become just normal? Immediately. Really? It's just the, their vibe. Yeah. And and I it was one of those. I did. I had done a movie with Harold Ramis before that. Okay. It was another. And, and God, it was, he's great. Oh, and it was such a. Both of those were lessons that, like, sometimes you know, very powerful, accomplished people are monsters, mm-hmm. and sometimes the more powerful and. Uh, more accomplished people get the more chill they get Mm -hmm. like those two sets felt like doing movies with your friends wow and in the Coen Brothers case like literally um, almost every department head had been people they had been working with since Blood Simple so they're 25 years in at that point or Mm -hmm. whatever is um and it immediately you'd have to actually kind of blink and say Oh wait, that's the Coen Brothers. Oh fuck, that's George Clooney. Because oh, it just felt <laughs> like making a funny little movie. Yeah, you're just goofing around to a certain degree, um, and fast and organized. Nice. Like you get the. I mean, I don't think we ever did more than three takes of anything. Really? Unless it was a super complicated camera. That's like Clint Eastwood shit. Yeah, ex- yeah. Except like this except is. You don't feel like your Clint Eastwood's gonna kill you, r- rip your jaw off. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stop. Um, they everything was storyboarded. You got storyboards with the sides. Story? Are you serious? Yeah. Is that how they do it all the time? Yep. Or they did that. I don't know. That if it is changed. that is the thing that no one talks about. Because my wife's an illustrator, right? Yep. And she always talks about anytime I talk to her about stuff. She's like, "You should storyboard it." Mm. Like, really? And they have a storyboard artist that they work with, and that they work with for <sighs> months. That makes so much and sense. And they have this book printed, and they mm-hmm. give it to all the department heads, and then Roger. It's the movie. You have the movie. You have. The, it's, it's already well, the now movie. Now they do what is it called? Previs. Sure. But it's not the same. No. Well, previous for, you know, special effects where yeah. they, they literally build the whole movie digitally right. before they shoot it. God yeah, and damn. this was, and Roger Deakins, their, who was their brilliant DP at the time, mm-hmm. like the, if there's a big camera move, for instance, it's already set before you get to, you don't go in and rehearse it, and then they're like, well, we're going to, it's already decided. So wow. you get there, and it's lit, and he's sitting, he's operating, and they're like, okay. And maybe you rehearse it once, and then you do it, and if you don't fuck up the lines, you move on. Wow. So the, it's basically like, well, that's so interesting because you get the actors get to look at the storyboard, so you get to know 
you know, you look at the storyboard and you go, oh, that's, that's me. And you know where the cut is and you that's ca- so kind cool. of, to a certain degree. I mean, I don't know if you, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if you know where the cut is, but like. You, you have get, an idea. You have an idea of the vibe. and You don't have to ask, oh, where, where, what are you seeing? What's the frame? You know the frame. I remember so, uh, yeah. illustrative of that. Uh, Mary Zofries, who's their costume designer, had already been working with them for years. And, and Jonathan Hadari played this very um, flamboyant character. And she built these shoes for him. Uh-huh. And there's a scene where he, it's like a big dramatic scene. And he's holding a little dog. And he walks into a courtroom and he's the star witness and it's a big like <gasps> moment and they had you know they had approved everything and seen everything and they had the storyboard of pulling him into the room down the thing and heads turning and they were like they decided to add a shot of his feet because uh-huh. it was his shoes were so amazing right that she had built and she was aghast and so it was the ultimate compliment that wow. they had decided to add a shot that they hadn't thought of previously oh, because they don't do, they don't really they say, don't do how do you want to do this today? Which is, you know, I don't know if you've heard the Spielberg stories, but no. that's, he, he's like the opposite. It's really? all instinct. Uh, wow. like it's all, I haven't worked it's with running him, gun. stories. Kind of like, how do you want to do the talk to the DP? Talk, talk to, to the Jan- actors. Kaminsky. Talk to Janusz. <laughs> like you want to be over there? Okay. And then I'm going to, yeah, that, I mean, I'm sure West Side Story wasn't there, whatever, which I didn't see, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's a, just a different way of doing it. That's crazy. Yeah, I I have never experienced anything. I've never experienced anything like that in terms of a film. But also, I think a lot of this. I think some of the stuff. The first couple of movies I did were all very, very loose. Like running. It gun. seemed loose to yeah, me. Yeah. At least it felt pretty loose. Or maybe that was just also me because I was so dead set on improvising so many uh-huh. things that I was like, oh, it's gonna be loose. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, gonna you're gonna, be wa- loose. you're gonna wanna cover you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna shoot down a couple cameras because this is oh. gonna be loose. You ever heard Michael Bay say that? No. He's like some like behind the scenes for the island. He's um okay guys, um we're gonna work, we're running five cameras. I don't know if you're who you're working with today, but you're working with Michael Bay. We're doing five cameras, okay? Okay guys, get ready. Hope you got some sleep last night because we're we're gonna have a good we're gonna have a crazy day. Oh fuck. It makes it, me so anxious. I kinda like I love and hate him. He's like one of those people where I feel that way about yeah, go ahead. He's just such a fucking he's a nut. He's like a he's a dork. You know, he's he's a total fucking dork. But he's kind of a mean dork. Sure. I've heard some really but mean. I think that kinda goes with the dork. A lot of dorks are most dorks are mean. I guess mean. that's true. Especially dorks. Like that dork kind of dork. Who, dork and power. Yeah. Dork power. Dork I've heard power. terrible stories about him. I knew a guy who worked who was his first AD on a movie who he had to quit. Because Michael was so, so mean. he's mean to people like extras, like oh, saying stuff. You're ruining my fucking movie. Like, just saying, yeah, yeah. saying stuff about their bodies in front of oh. them, stuff like that. I heard a story. Uh, <laughs> uh, can we name drop in this podcast? Oh yeah. Um, I'll send you the link to Tony Shalhoub's IMDb page. Tony Shalhoub, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tony Shalhoub, that's a name drop. For me, I think I don't think so. I think okay. Tony Shalhoub could be not, not dropping your name, bro. Fine. Uh, he told me that Shalhoub's great. Michael Bay on one of the Transform- he's in one of the Transformers movies. That Michael Bay would be like, Tony, come here. Um, so what I'm doing here is like the camera's gonna sweep down here and it's gonna sweep over there. And Tony would great, uh, great. Is it gonna go? And he could turn to him and go, what? Like he was like, why are you talking to me? He's like, you just called me over to tell me that. Like it was so schizophrenic. Wow. You'd be like, see the thing over there? I'm going to blow it up over there. Oh, really? Are you using it? It's like, why are you talking? What? Maybe he is. Yeah, I mean, he no, probably is schizophrenic, like, but I think he he's prob- probably swinging. He's maybe deep spectrum. Who knows? Something's going on there. I also know a story of someone that was auditioning for him. And he was like, 
yeah, we're going to improv. And, he, and she was like, great. And, and then he was like, great, now improv in Chinese. And she was like, Who said that? What? Michael Bay? Michael Bay. And she was like, She's what? a Chinese actress? Actor? No. Oh. And uh, she started to do it. And she goes, wait a minute. You just want like video of me doing fake Chinese to laugh about with your friends? And he was like, yeah. Wow. Oh I love him. <laughs> I don't know. Man. I want to be abused by Michael Bay yeah. and putting it out there. Abuse me, Mike. A bunch of those guys that were in Pearl Harbor who said it was like hell. It was like you didn't know where shit was. He was like run over there and you did not know where stuff was exploding. And I'm down with that. Yeah, I'd honestly, all that stuff. Be, I'm down. I think I'd be down with that part too. I'm down to be abused. Oof. I feel like this. It's less and less. That's what gets well, that's me. Good. <laughs> I don't know. No, come on. I would like to be an apocalypse now kind of thing where you're just you're like, what the fuck's going on here? This is a problem. We shouldn't be here. This is dangerous and insane. It's dangerous, insane. Um, feels have you, like. People, have you been in any of those? Um, I've been in some stuff that was, I don't know, more psychological that way. Yeah, yeah. I was did did one movie in South Africa that was pretty, oh. pretty psycho, but it was more psycho because just South Africans have a different nature mm-hmm. where they they just don't they're just they're like Americans in after the depression. They are just uh-huh. hard as shit. Hard scrabble. They don't give a sh- they're hard scrabble, but they also have a weird thing where a lot of South Africans because of like the um, the recent. History of colonialism. There's a very, very, very real and present, uh, uh, what do you call it? authority um, hierarchy? Like a, yeah, hierarchy. It's very real. So if, if your boss asks you, like, uh, where is the car? You'd be like, um, it's here. It's coming right now. And it's if it's not coming, you just say it because you you tell them what you the you affirmative. Want. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that so, racial or is that just the It's pop- definitely racial for sure, uh-huh. but it's also just um, status kind of stuff. It's like status mm-hmm. authority shit. Mm-hmm. I've seen people, I've seen some very real racist stuff happen there only, yeah. only a few times, yeah. but it definitely, it's just different. It's such a different place, yeah. even though it seems similar because it looks like Southern California and people look, you know, they look like everyone else. Yep. It's, very, it's an incredibly, incredibly diverse place, so it mm-hmm. feels like you're in the United States in a way. But they, um, and everyone speaks English. Mm-hmm. So it's everything seems kind of like the United States and California in a, in a certain sense. Even the food's similar, but it's just the vibe is so, so different. Bizarro world. Yeah, it's California. bizarro world. And people are just, they're just fucking, like, there's people who've been carjacked multiple times. And they'll, the on set photographer, she has a story where she was like, just basically told the carjacker, no, stop. Oh my god! Like are you, like, she weighs like 115 pounds, right. and she just told this carjacker, and probably like, armed. like fuck off! And I don't have just, time for this. I have they, to go and somewhere. They go away. Yeah, because she's made of some type of uh, steel reinforced bone. Right, oh. <laughs> it's been like aged in a petrified forest. Right, we're wow. so soft. We are. Yeah, but back to the crazy set. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to be on something that was being. That's just my fantasy, though. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've been in some weird ones for sure. Name names. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've definitely oh, been in some weird ones. Oh, you just got ones. ones. I have I to tell me it sometime. You have to tell yeah, me. I'll send you the link. Well, t- you send me the link to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did hear some story about uh, a director who's like sort of younger. And this is a movie in the last couple of years, um, like the last five or ten years. And um, he goes to... Uh, uh, he hasn't met one of the actors. Uh, his name is Samuel Samuel Jackson. He goes to introduce himself to the actor Samuel Jackson, and um, he knocks on his trailer, and he's like, 
uh, hi, uh, I'm the director. I just want to say hi. And Samuel goes, I don't give a fuck who you are. Seriously? And closes the door oh in his God. face on a huge movie. Ugh. Huge movie. Like, how do you move on from, how do you not go home? What? But he's a director. Not, I know, but how does the director not just be like, oh, shit. I don't know. That to me is also, how do you get the balls to be that to be like that? I guess if you're Samuel L. Jackson, you've done, what, 150 movies, and you are just... You're just like, I'm not doing this. You just don't care. If you, if you, that moment, he probably was nice later, for all we know. Right. He probably was great, but at that moment, he was he was being interrupted, and he didn't right. want to be interrupted. And he's like, now's not the time. Oof, I've heard, yeah, whoa. That would freak me out, though. Yeah, if I was the director, it would freak me out. Yeah. But also, I don't know. I might, I might not have introduced myself. I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. But like, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he doesn't, uh, he's, he's not going to be like, oh, I can't believe he didn't introduce himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But uh, you also don't want him to be like, how come you haven't introduced yourself to me? I don't even know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Oh, you're the director? Okay. That's probably his thought process is that a direct, what's the saying? A director is the only uh, entry level job on set. Oh my God, that's funny. So that's Never cool. heard that. Yeah, that's what a lot of like Teamster guys will say that. <laughs> uh, a very good director friend of mine says it's the only job on set where you don't have to know how to do anything. There you go. It's the same thing, basically. And he also said it does, the, the movie is getting made. Right. Whether the director knows what he's doing or that's she's true. doing or not. It's yeah. the, the ball. I mean, it could obviously it gets fucked up. It gets sidetracked. But like the day is moving forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're setting up the shot. Yeah. Next. It's like the director's on like a chair. Yep. Everyone's carrying the chair. Absolutely. We're gonna keep. We have to go. The line producer is always gonna be, fucking get it done, get it done. We gotta go. We gotta move. We gotta move. We gotta move. We're losing light. We don't have time for this. We yep. have. We have to move on. That's right. And the DP is lagging the next thing. And there's the like, uh-huh. what's the shot list? And wow, movies, baby. Movies. They're baby. always the best, aren't they? Oh, I Is love it. it. Yeah. I wish I could direct more. I just absolutely loved it. Have you directed? Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> I just said, great. uh-uh. You'd be great at it. I think I would at this point only because I've thought about it so much. I also, um, I just kind of realized recently because I've been watching, this is so dumb, but um, uh, you, you watch TikTok videos at all? Uh-huh. So I, my TikTok algorithm is very specific. It's about one-third or more of very, very rural Chinese outdoor cooking. It's like... <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what I get. And there's no English at all. Sometimes there's a song. There's a lot of this guy named Mr. Po Ba or Mr. Ba Po. And he's got this jacket that's deteriorating. He's cooking stuff. Sometimes some of it doesn't seem edible. Yeah. He's got all these weird, like, big rocks that he grinds up uh, rice or corn with. He's always cooking in an outdoor fire. It's all this stuff. I've watched it so much <laughs> that I feel like if someone really was like, hey, make something that's. Chinese, I think I would do it because I kind of realized that I learn from watching. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I learn stuff. I'll just watch someone do something, then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I've watched people direct so much that's at this point. That's what I mean. I think I would probably just. That's what I mean. You know oh, way. I know how to do this. You know way more than you think you know. Yeah. And also, I think there are. I just thought that that was uh, true of all actors. I think that, like, once I got comfortable on set and there was yeah. time to look around, there's so much time to look around. Right. Like, what's, that, what's that person doing? What's she do? What's his. Not all actors are like that. I realized when I uh, I was in the show Private Practice for 120 episodes or whatever it is, and I started yeah yeah, and I started I directed like episode mm-hmm. 70 and episode 90 or something, 
and there were actors who were way more experienced than I who were like, dude, how do you know where to... Wow. And I'm like, really? Like, no, literally they would be like, why are you put... And I'd be like, you've been doing this for 25 years. You're looking around. And they'd be like, I don't care. They're not interested. It's not oh, like it's a deficit. They're just, they're not interested. So they're not funny. Like one of them, uh, my friend Amy is married to a, like a really big director. And, mm-hmm. he, and, and she's like, yeah, it's not my jam. Like, I don't care. Right. I'm an actor. Like, I want to. But I think if you're interested in it, like, I learn that way too. I like learning by reading about it or going to film school. Like, no way. Just watch it. But like it. being in it. And you get you start to get a you you start also noticing I think as an actor if you've been on set a lot you start having opinions. Oh, I have a lot of <laughs> yeah, opinions. Yeah, me too. Of not just like <sighs> of like no, don't, oh no, oh no, no, don't do that first. Oh no, no, no. Well, how about this? What we we're moving on. We didn't get Did it. You, though. Wait, do you? Don't you owe? Don't you wanna? Yeah, yeah. Or or. My, my, one of my big ones is no, no, no. To the like first day, you think like no, no, no. Don't bring that. No, they're not ready. Don't you see that they're st- don't bring the kid in now. Yeah, he's gonna be they're tired. Not, they're not. They're not. They're still mm-hmm. doing. I, I and I. I mean, I keep them to myself. But yeah. like, that was one of the great things about getting to co-create a show is that like all of a sudden like you're the person that gets to say you get to know. The stuff. Yeah, and you know it's terrifying and and but. Uh, the guy who kind of helped me direct the first time said, it's like being a parent. Like, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. Oh, okay. And there's always someone there. Who does. Who does. You just have to know who to trust. Yeah. That's the other thing. Is like, just walking onto a, like, I don't know how episodic directors walk onto sets that have been going for five years and know who to listen to. Yeah. Because sometimes the DP and the first AD hate one another and the sound guy God. refuses to... But like, if you know the dynamic, yeah, you can feel you it can out. Kind of feel it out. That's interesting you say that about because I've always really been interested in like camera stuff. I just find it very fascinating what that they're able to do that stuff. And I, I guess I always look at that stuff, but I never realized that that wasn't something that everyone did. I kind of figured that was just the case. So many people don't, and it's not a criticism. It's just they're not interested. Yeah, in interested. It. But don't, do you think that also, too, because I feel like a lot of times, at least in the last couple of years, and just increasingly so, if I'll, if I'll be <clears throat> working as an actor on something, I not only get really bored, because mm-hmm. I feel like um, there's not enough to chew on, yep. that it's like I just, I, 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 can't, I can't be someplace in a capacity where there isn't like a real, a lot put on me, because I get so bored that I get like depressed or yep. angry or something. Angry. It's bad because I feel like I have no um, ability to modulate anything in my, I have no way to control anything. Completely. completely I'm with you. And so when then, then you, I makes makes me want to make something that yes. I can do control, right. have control over. And so when you do that, that's like the, um, that's, that's all it is, right? Is you just, you feel like you're, you have more room on your plate. Yeah. And it's not being and, used. And, and, and I think early, for me anyway, I was, even if I had little to do in a day acting-wise, the whole thing was so incredibly stimulating and overwhelming. Yeah. That you're just like, got, you know, get, figure out how to do this and not freak out. Right. And then after a couple of years, when you can like, finally like look up. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I got, I'm cool with how this day works. Right. I'm cool with what's going to be asked of me. Then you start looking around and you're like, well, how do I fill? Where's the rest of that stimulation? Like 80% of it's gone. Yeah. So then you're like, well, I can bring my guitar and like run scales in my trailer. Or you're like, well, I'm going to go watch that. There's right. this incredible machine 
this creative machine going, right. whether it's the production designers and the set people or the lighting guys or the sound. There's so much just incredible skill oh everywhere God, yeah. you look mm-hmm. that every there's something interesting somewhere. So when you first created your first show, yeah, how long, when was that? Imposters. And you wrote that. Like, yeah. How what was the process like for that? Like, how did you? Because obviously, we're talking about like you were you were you were an actor for a long time, but then you decided you wanted to branch out. You it was almost be... not a decision. I mean, I wrote a script with a friend mm-hmm. uh, who who's a writer uh, who I had been in a theater company with in Chicago, and we sold it, and then it didn't get made. And then I was on Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce that Marty Knoxon created, and she had been one of the showrunners of Private Practice, so I had known her. Mm-hmm. And when it went to series. She said, would you be interested in being in the room? The uh, writer's room. In the writer's room, because uh-huh. we had done a kind of, I don't, I'd have to ask her, but she knew I had written a little, and right. we had just had a lot of interesting talks about the character. Right. And she said, you know, would you, and I said, oh my God, yes. So I went for the first two weeks, and they invited me to stay. They invited me to wow. write a, uh, an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in that room for two years. But in the midst Jeez. of that, the guy who directed the pilot, mm-hmm. Adam Brooks, who had never done television before, is uh, a feature guy and, you know, about 15 years older than I am. And he was one of those guys who I was just like following around being like, well, what, when, when, you, when you made this? What, like, what kind of camera did you use on it? Like, uh-huh. I just like wanted to talk about movies with him all day. We became friendly. And about six months after the pilot, we had dinner in Vancouver and he said, you know, I'm thinking about this idea, which I don't, but I've never really done TV. Would you want to kick it around? And, and, you know, six months, a year later, we were making the pilot of Imposters, and then it got picked up. And so oh. it was just like, it was ridiculous. Easy is the wrong word, but like, the, we, fluid. It, it was just fluid mm. in a way that, like, I, I didn't, I did, wasn't knocking down doors. I was connected and worked with these incredible people who were like, you know, Marty, I remember Marty saying, like, six months into, into Girlfriend's Guide, she was like, you should, you'd be good at this. You could do this. Wow. And I was like, that's really, I mean, I think mentorship is like the whole ball game in this stuff. I mean, right. even, even as an actor, even just knowing where the mistakes are and somebody saying, you're, that's, that's right, that's wrong, you're doing good, mm-hmm. makes all the difference. And I kind of had that in Marty and in Adam. So, um, yeah, Adam and I co-created it and we ran it for, two, we did 20 episodes, we did two seasons. That's crazy. That's, so It was crazy and it was wonderful. I bet. And very, very hard, but in the best kind of way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's so it, much more work than anything else. Than anything I could imagine. Mm-hmm. It's more work than I've ever done. And, wow. and it's also the most creative. If you want, I mean, I think there's a lot of showrunners who want to write the scripts mm-hmm. and go see the cut and they have a production, they have a producing they have director. everything in it. And they don't, and the rest of it, they don't want their fingers in. Mm-hmm. They just, and then I, th- and, and Adam being a filmmaker, who would like, you know, every step of the way directed his own scripts. Right. And, and that's how I wanted to do it too. We had our, we had our uh, fingers in every single aspect yeah. of it. And I, which was the best, Johnny. I mean, think about right. it. I'm picking out the props. I'm picking out every costume. Yeah. I'm picking out every... That stuff matters though. If you care well, about it, it does matter. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it, it matters to the degree that you want it to matter. I think that some, right. some shows don't... It's my preference... I think it makes it makes a huge difference, especially. Well, I think yes, I think it. I agree with you. It matters, but some people are very comfortable delegating that. 
saying I have a production designer, I have a prop master, I trust them, I'm going to let them do it. Not that we didn't trust them, but it was, I think I'd be that way with anything, Mm -hmm. but also the tone of it was so incredibly specific that we were always... You have to be involved in it because it's something that... I loved it. Yeah. I loved, I mean, once you can, it's like somebody opening a fucking fire hose in your face and you're trying to drink it. There's so much information. That's a good description. The, The amount of, and it's, I think this is true of directing too. It's certainly true of show running that while you are responsible for the big idea mm-hmm. and for the big, and then the sm- relatively smaller idea of a season arc and then the relatively smaller idea of a episode arc, et cetera, all the way down, that it really becomes the, the, the accumulation of a million tiny decisions. Wow. Like you see something, you go to a movie and you say, it wasn't well-directed, or it was well-directed. Like, what do you mean exactly? Like, mm-hmm. you can say, that scene felt off, or that, but it's really like vibe, right? It's ultimately... You just feel something, or it just, it didn't quite get over the, it didn't quite... Or, or, or there was some magic to it. What is, mm-hmm. what is that uh, English director's name? But he's a theater and a film director, and he said that the director's job is to make sure everyone's in the same movie. Oh, that's interesting. And he means everybody. He means yeah. the sound people. He means the mixing people. He means the actors. He means the costume designers. It's all tone. It's all tone and vibe. You know, constantly saying and and reminding yourself and everybody else. Adam Brooks did this amazing thing that I'd never seen before. I'd been on many many tech scouts. For you people listening at home, a tech scout is like the right before you start shooting, locations have been chosen. You get in a bus with all the department heads who haven't seen the location mm-hmm. and the teamsters who are going to be laying the electric cables and the sound people and just say, okay, we're going to be shooting here. And they go around and they look, okay, okay we can put our trucks over there. Mm-hmm. We can set up base, we can set up base camp here. We can, it's all that shit. And normally people just get off the bus and walk around and you get back on the bus. Right. And when we would get off the bus, Adam would like get up on a chair or whatever and he would tell the story of what was happening. Of what he, you're going to be shooting. Yeah. He'd be like, so Ezra comes in and he hasn't seen Maddie in a week. Uh-huh. And, and you'd feel everyone kind of like lean in. Wow. And then they get to make decisions, even if they're only deciding where they're going to lay cable. They care about it. They care about it. And they're like, well, he said that Ezra and Maddie are going to get in a fight. So they could get in a fight there or there. So maybe let's run the cables over there. And <laughs> it doesn't become a day of yeah. like, oh, we can't shoot there because the, it's That's like, cool. and then people are invested in it. Mm-hmm. And it makes an enormous difference, and and it's fun. Yeah, I mean that that makes so much sense. It's a thing where you're you're giving people something to care about, an as ag- opposed an to agency. Agency. And I also think that look, it, I, I understand when people can't do that. It's so overwhelming mm-hmm. that the idea of taking a moment to do that is like I have ten thousand other things I'm neglecting. But I think if you prioritize that, and you build it to prioritize that, right. It just, people just have fun. You know the Tarantino, you can cut all this out if I'm talking too much. I'm going to cut it all out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there's, a story, there's a thing that I, heard, I read about Tarantino doing that on every Friday, they end a little bit early, uh-huh. and you know, they have drinks and food brought right. out or whatever, and that he puts up on a screen a the, shot from the week. Oh. And that he will be like, this shot was really hard, you guys, because we couldn't figure out how to get the shadow. Da, da, da. And he'd be like, But you did it. Johnny, come out here. And he'll bring like the greens guy, the green guy who's responsible for like shaking the tree and be like, 
Johnny did, like shook this tree at exactly the right pace, and we couldn't get it right, and Johnny figured it out. Give him a round of applause. Wow. And it's not condescending. No. It's like, look what we fucking did. Look at that. Yeah. That's cool looking. Because he notices stuff that's, these little things you notice that are, uh, I mean, that's the, it's so easy to forget, but I always, you, I always, a lot of times forget that you, you don't show something, it's not important. Right. Because everything is, the economy is, incredible. Yeah. everything's so important that why would you show something that's superfluous, especially right. in a good movie? Right. Nothing's superfluous. Nothing's superfluous. So it's like that thing, maybe the, the green's shaking. It really did. It, There's stuff in my favorite movies where, you know, my favorite part is, is when he kind of like hits the door a bit. Oh my God! There's a thing in Seven that I, which is I love that movie, yeah. the adventure movie. I don't know why I think about it all the time, but there's a thing when the hand prints on the wall that like the, they find it behind the painting. Okay, I haven't seen it. In and so there's long. a smash cut to like one of the forensic guys, and he's in a white suit, like a white you know hazmat suit, and he's going, and he's going, oh man, oh man, guy has two lines. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know how... But you feel it. You feel it, and you're like, Fincher, you can tell Fincher... Not, not that the guy wasn't a good actor, he was, but it was like, gave him a whole thing thing about, like, thing you've never do. seen anything like this, and you've probably done three today already, and you have mm. to get out of here, but, like, this really stops you in your tracks. Like, yeah. And there's something about it where you ju it just makes all the difference. It's those little tiny things. That there's like, It's like a tone thing where mm -hmm. you feel it. Oh, yeah, that's crazy how much that... It's everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, that's why a lot of times I also think that um, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of my favorite movies have bad endings because the ending, to some extent, doesn't matter as mm -hmm. much as people act like it does. Mm -hmm. I think so, because if you love the characters, you kind of... You just don't want I could watch this forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as you do it... I think as long as you do it quick, it's okay. As long as you do end it pretty fast. <laughs> Meaning like a shock, oh, like oh, this wait, it's over. Like I didn't sort of, or just like don't don't dilly dally, don't like um, oh. don't draw it out. Just kind of like end it before. Was it the '80s thing that felt like everything had four endings? I don't. That stuff. I hate that yeah, shit. I do too. Like don't ta you tagging it again? It's, no, it's tag a it's, movie. We're not. We should be done. Yeah, we're not be going done. to see next season. Like yeah. you can't tag Ugh. it. Yeah. You just ruined it. It's like, it's like you had this great meal and the dessert had a piece of glass in it. Like, oh, fuck. I don't think about the glass I now, know. even though that steak was so amazing. Yeah, I'm not used to endings because I think I'm such a t like I have such a TV brain in a way. Really? You're just, it's all about not ending. God, I have the opposite. I'm trying to write this TV thing now. I have so much problem. I just can't fucking crack it. It's killing me. Because send I me a thought, link. I'll, I'll, I'll actually <laughs> literally will send you a link for real. I have one more thing to ask you. I got to ask you. So when you like are directing something, yeah, um, and you um, it's been a while, unfortunately, but yeah, go on. When you like have you have, let's say you cast somebody mm -hmm. and you, you know what they do and you have an expectation of it, and then when they don't do it, like how do you get to like? Is it a thing where you just like take a lot of time to find the thing that you because you know they have it. You know what I mean. It's like a dog. You know it can do this trick. You've seen it do it, but it's a matter of getting them to do it again because maybe they're not like the best actor, so they're not like um, used to performing mm -hmm. or something like that. If that happens, what do you do? You like just have to manage your expectations, or do you really find it? Do you really hit it? Hit it until they get it how you envisioned it. I think you know everything I've directed has been television, which means it has a. Uh, time limit on yeah, it. Yeah, it's a factory. You can't shut the factory you down for long. You can't shut the factory down. I mean, in our imposters, it was my factory, so right. I could have kind of 
said we need two more hours to do this let's yeah. figure it out i'm private practice obviously i that was not an not option um i think that that becomes a, a con and i think this is true of directing you are constantly uh doing algebra of what you have what you need what what's going to happen in post yeah and what your expectation of that moment is mm -hmm. like is it worth Spending another ten minutes to get this, or is or am I getting obsessed about something? Not that it's your ego, but you're like, we haven't gotten that right yet. But it's like, yeah. do we have to get it a hundred thousand percent right, or is it actually going to be okay, even though you had it in your head a certain way? Yeah. Now I what I did have a situation on Apostures where uh, one of our this scene just wasn't working right. and I thought it was one person's jam that it wasn't getting there. And we just spent the time to crack it. And I mm -hmm. think that, and I, and again, like I think if it was a different, if it was a less important scene, I'd like to think that I would have just, just been like, on. it's fine. We're, we're, it, 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 yeah. It's not, it's 85%, but it's, it, but it, but the effect that we'll have on the overall is 0. 0.0002. Right. And this one was like, Nope, we need, some pi it's pivotal. Pivotal. So yeah. let's, we're going to take the time to do it. And, you know, the thing you, I would never want to do is make someone aware that that's what was happening. Oh, because then they clam up. Yeah. And then they feel it's like, just, oh, it's super important. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. shit. And then like, oh, they're moving the day around or, oh, yeah. we were still doing this after lunch or like, mm -hmm. I've seen directors do that. To, I don't get, yeah. it seems so uh, counter purposes to what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So I, I think to answer your question, it's like, it, it's, always uh, idiosyncratic to what's happening at that moment. Yeah. I Just like it. if you'd made an, if you did an audition and you're like, I, that one line wasn't as good as it could have been, but the rest of it was, was good. Was good. Are you going to redo it? I'll probably, I, nowadays, nowadays, nowadays it's like, oh, what are you doing today? I'm just doing a, a thousand <laughs> takes of this thing that is meant for someone who in their 60s. <laughs> I'm pretend, I'm pretended, uh, I'm pretending I'm David Fincher. I'm just doing 70 takes. David, David Fincher. David Fincher. David Fincher. Paul, is there anything you want to tell people before we close up? Uh, I love Johnny Pemberton. Do you want me to play a song to leave with? Yeah, yeah. Any song? Uh, gonna, do you want me to pick a song? If you want to pick a song, if you got a song, you're like, oh, we should. This is this is a jam. Uh, is it Animal Instinct by the Commodores? Nope. <laughs> it's uh, Pablo Picasso by Jonathan Richmond. No, oh. not Pablo Picasso by Jonathan Richmond. How about what's the Girlfriend's Too Slow? Girlfriend's Too Slow by Jonathan. No, Girlfriend's Too Slow by Jonathan. What's that? This is something called Mary Kay Trio. I should care. Isn't this good? I love this song. You know it? These harmonies are just ripping. Oh, I, I got one for you. Okay. Hold on. I'm all about harmonies now, FYI. I'm big. Are you? Me too. I just like discovered it recently that I, all I want to do is sing harmony. Ugh. Me too. I started playing with someone named uh, Lisa Crawley, who's just an incredible harmonizer, and that's just kind of all we do. You want to hear an incredible harmony? Yes. Let me, play, let me play this for you. This is what I have to. This to me is, is maybe the best harmony I've ever heard in my entire life. It's almost like not Western music. It takes a second. I'm, I'm with you. I okay. Just find, um... It's coming. It's in the chorus or after the chorus, I think. I don't know. 
This is Carlton and the Shoes. Never give your heart away. Wow. Stuff from 1978, I think. 77. It's about to get fucking stinky. What's the name of the band? Carlton and the Shoes. Wow. Coming. It's coming soon. The lead up is makes, makes it so good. I sent you the link to the one I want you to. Did play. you really t- you texted it to me? Yeah. Okay, great. I, I can bring it up. Here it comes. One more time with the name. Carlton and the Shoes. Isn't that nuts? It's just like insane. So to beautiful. Me. Yeah, uh, the guy went on to sing in the um, uh, the Abyssinians. He was in the Abyssinians. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm opening this right now. Carlton and the Shoes. Carlton and the Shoes. Yes, it is by Rocking Horse. That's what we're talking about here? This song. Here we go. I don't even know this. This is Paul Rock. Yeah, he's got a bad finger vibe. Oh, shit. Sounds Dude. like Elephant Six stuff. Like, it does. It does. Except it's like from the. Sounds like Beatles with, a, with some edge. Could be apples and stereo. Yeah. It's got that nice 70s compression. Yeah, I love that. Is that what it is? I think it is. I have a theory that 1973 or 74 was the best year for studio music. Like, it's never gonna, never gotten better. Because it was like the technology was just good enough, but not and so still, good. And, and still analog. Yes, yeah, still analog. So it's that, like, Paul Simon, still crazy after all these years sound, that, like, James Taylor, like, that dry, compressed. It's, it's like super everything's. Pretty. They figured out how to do everything. Yeah. And you have these guys in the studio who were just... Wings, they know where to put the mic. They have Bob Marley, everything. Yeah, everything. Like, you, you hear, like, Hall Notes or something, or you hear, like, some... I'm trying to think what it was. I was listening to it from 1974, where I was like, this is... You know what it was? It's the Commodore's album. Um, back... Uh, what's it called? It's where they're playing Dice in the, the cover. Uh-huh. That album is from 74... And the production on that album is absolutely fucking insane. It is so clean and, but also warm and kind of buzzy. But my question is, is that because of when we were born? Caught in the act. That's 19, it was recorded in 74, came out in 75. Is that because of when we were born that sound appeals to us? Or I mean, do you think people born in, in 2000 are going to be like, Chronic 2001 is the best sounding stuff ever because it was just like I, I heard it when I was a baby and so I guess <laughs> like, but the chronic is using sounds from that era as exactly. their back I think it's as far as studio goes it's the best nothing beats it 
That's just my... No, I, I, I concur. It's one of the windows. 73, I concur. 74. There's a certain studio sound from that era that is my favorite thing. That is just so good. Paul, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me, Johnny. Bye!